Welcome to Patient Stories. My name is Dr. Bertrand Liang, and these are episodes about some remarkable people whom I've met through the opportunity of being a physician. Finding the elusive when finding other things. Ms. A was a 70-year-old woman who came to me because of what she described as a neuropathy. Indeed, she was well-versed in medicine, having been a nurse at one of the most well-known hospitals in the country. To say the least, she had a very aggressive personality, almost angry, probably because she didn't seem to be getting much satisfaction from the healthcare system. Over the past couple of years, she had had symptoms which had gradually worsened, where she felt lightheaded, with the slow development of pain in her neck, into her arms and legs, and up into the back of her head. However, preceding this, she had had other issues ongoing with her health. She had been diagnosed with a certain type of muscular tumor, which was rare, and required extensive treatment to deal with what may have been overshadowed for the workup of her neurologic symptoms. With the evaluation of treatment for the cancer, she was also found to have abnormalities in her peripheral blood count, which was thought to perhaps be associated with the early stages of leukemia. During the time it took to evaluate and treat these other findings, her, as she called it, nerve issues, started to become progressively worse. And as a result, despite having noted these things to her other doctors, they were too absorbed in the care of her neoplastic disease to consider the nerve symptoms, and thus they fell by the wayside. In fact, it was the patient herself who self-referred into the neurology clinic and how she found herself into my clinic. Why doesn't anyone listen to me? was how the patient greeted me after I introduced myself. I certainly could understand how she felt, given the history she then outlined for me. And the fact that she also had what her primary care doctor described as vertigo also made me suspicious that not all things were as they might seem. Vertigo is a specific term and implies either the sensation of the room spinning or the patient moving or unsteady, but knowing she is still. Much of the time, particularly in older patients, the cause is multifactorial or has multiple causes. In fact, many times it is not this sensation at all, but that when a patient says they are dizzy, it isn't vertigo, but actually lightheadedness that is the feeling. That is, that the patient feels like they're going to pass out. Ms. A had complained of dizziness, and her doctor had sent her to an ear, nose, and throat doctor for further evaluation which would have been the right thing to do if vertigo was being described at the time. But the patient noted to me that it was as if she felt as if she was going to faint, particularly when she changed positions from sitting to standing, for example, or when standing after bending over to get the newspaper. This was distinctly different from a vertiginous sensation. Have you been checking your blood pressure at home? Are you orthostatic? I asked, noting the patient as nurse's concerns. I don't have a cuff at home, doctor, and can't really do it myself. My husband's no good. He's a gardener. I nodded and asked what was the feeling that was the most bothersome for her. It's the pain combined with the tingling, and it's getting worse, said the patient. I've tried every NSAID out there and nothing works, referring to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents such as Motrin and Apresen. Let me check your examination, I said. While her general neurologic examination was essentially normal, the patient was grossly orthostatic. That is, her blood pressure dropped significantly 
when she went from a lying position to a sitting position, and even more when she stood up. She had areas of hyperesthesia, or extreme sensitivity, along her back and at the base of her head. Well, Ms. A, I think we need to do some additional lab and electrodiagnostic tests. I'm concerned about a neuropathy, and you have a lot of complex things going on, I said. Ms. A crinkled her nose and then said, Well, that's for sure. I wish more people would get that. I again nodded and made sure she understood that we'd be going to do an extensive workup. That's what I'm here for, doctor. Someone who's going to look for things carefully. There are many things that can cause a neuropathy, but small fiber neuropathies in general can be quite difficult to diagnose. This is what I thought Ms. A had. And as well, it can be difficult to even evaluate these using electrodiagnostic testing, which really more evaluates large nerves than small ones. But we did have the clue with the pain and the blood pressure changes, which did suggest a small fiber neuropathy at least. I was concerned about a lot of things, but her history of cancer was worrisome especially. So we scheduled the patient for both electrodiagnostic testing as well as the differential diagnosis of neuropathies from toxins to infections to metabolic causes. And we scheduled the patient for an EMG NCV test to see whether or not we could get a clue on whether there was a large fiber neuropathy as well that was subtle. Two days after seeing the patient, I received an alarm laboratory notation in my charts. These alarm notices are generated when there is an abnormal laboratory value that occurs, which is outside of the usual range of what is considered normal in the population. I sent a number of different laboratory tests on Ms. A, and the first of the two alarms was that her perineoplastic assays, which reflected a remote effective cancer on the nervous system, was abnormal, but not in a pattern that would suggest that there was an effect on her nerves. It was more of a nonspecific reaction. However, what was much more impressive was that the test for Lyme disease, an infection named for the city in which it had been described, Lyme, Connecticut, were floridly positive, more positive than I'd ever seen anywhere else. And the symptom of Lyme disease could be incredibly variable, from mental status changes, to something that was akin to a diabetic neuropathy, to a small fiber neuropathy. Because of the number of cases in the Western US are comparatively small, the diagnosis is often missed if not thought about initially. The remainder for evaluation was fortunately negative. When discussed with the patient, she was both relieved and aggravated at the same time. Nonetheless, we did note that we could treat her and hopefully this would alleviate some of her symptoms. We thus started Ms. A on a one month course of antibiotics in order to treat her presumed Lyme neuropathy. Simultaneously, we continued to follow her history of muscle cancer, as well as the blood cell cancer that had been recently diagnosed. While Ms. A was appreciative of finally having a diagnosis for her neuropathy, it continued to be bothersome during her therapy, both with the antibiotics as well as the therapy for her various cancer, the latter of which thankfully did not require any chemotherapy, at least that might affect her nervous system. She continued to improve, though, and it was hoped she would continue to do so as time went on. We were lucky to have been able to see the patient in the neurology clinic, but because of her being an educated consumer of healthcare more than anything else, 
Sometimes we get so involved in our subspecialties that, as I've noted previously, we forget to listen to the patient who, after all, is trying to tell us what's wrong with her. Thank you very much for joining me for Patient Stories. Be happy, be healthy, and find peace.